Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Today, we continue our series of episodes on L. Ron Hubbard's extraordinary discovery and development of what he called the Administrative Scale of Importances, or Admin Scale for short. And today we start on the next level, down the scale, which is orders. What we have covered so far as a refresher, or if this happens to be your first listen to business-wise, are the higher points of the scale, which from the top are goals, purposes, policy, plans, programs, and projects, which we just completed. And so now we are on the seventh level from the top and digging in on a subject everybody already knows everything about, or at least one would think so. Since of all the levels on the scale, this is probably the one that everyone uses the most. And that is orders. Yes, yes, we all know about orders. Taking them. Giving them. Watching others give them to others giving them to ourselves. Orders is orders, as some character actor is likely to say in some old war movie. Orders is orders. Everybody knows what an order is, supposedly, but let me tell you something about orders that you may not know. Orders are supposed to put in order. That's why they're called orders. They're not supposed to create chaos. But unfortunately, they often do. So if you dread orders, or you feel diffident or a bit backed off on giving orders, it's possible you haven't had the best experience with orders, and thus, there may yet be something about them that you or others don't understand. I personally have found orders to be at the bottom of some very, very crazy stuffing groups, and when that happens, it is generally because they are either not delivered correctly in the first place, or they're out of alignment with the admin scale, the very thing that we're recovering. Now, if you want to know how to deliver an order correctly, I refer you to an episode we delivered a year ago, practically to the day as it happens, and it's entitled The 12 Points of Giving an Order. It was delivered last January. It was episode three of volume three. And since we never intentionally repeat ourselves in business-wise, we might occasionally bring back an old episode as a bonus some weeks, but... So far, every episode is intended to cover new material, so rather than go over all that again, I suggest you just listen to that episode if you want to know the 12 points of how to give an order. Actually, there's 13 points in there. There was a bonus point I miscounted, so there's 13 points of how to give an order there. I might post that up again later in this week because it's very important, obviously, that you know how to give an order. That's, that's one of the first mistakes. But today, let's clear up this other factor where the relationship of orders to the rest of the admin scale is not clearly understood. And what happens is that orders become confused with a factor much higher on the scale, which is policy. And let's get into how this confusion leads to what Mr. Hubbard refers to as a dull, soulless, he he calls it a squad mentality versus a bright, innovative, and expanding group. The article is dated 25 November 1970 and is entitled Policy and Orders. And since Mr. Hubbard defines these terms perfectly in the article, we're just going to go right into it, okay? So he starts the article this way. 
He says, probably the greatest single confusion that can exist in the subject of organizing is a reversal of policy and orders. When definitions of these two things are not clearly understood, they can be identified as the same thing or even reversed. Now, this is a phenomenon you'll see with new employees that are requiring orders constantly. Why do they require orders? Because they are unfamiliar with your policy. Now, if you're unfamiliar with your policy or your policy is not set or not clear, you're going to constantly be giving orders and your employees are going to start interpreting orders as policies and setting their own policies. Mr. Hubbard goes into this in more detail. He says, when they are not understood plainly, then staff members set their own policy and demand orders from top management, totally reversing the roles. Confusion thus generated can be so great as to make an organization unmanageable. It becomes impossible for staff to do its job and management cannot wear its hat. Management's not being management. They're not wearing their hat or function of managing. Why? Because they're constantly being pulled down and coping and having to give orders. Then he says here, people in an organization obsessively demand orders from policy source and then act on their own policy. This exactly reverses matters and can be a continual cause of disorganization. As policy is a basis of group agreement, unknown policy or policy set by the wrong source leads to disagreement and discord. I remind you and request of you, we listen to the earlier episodes on policy. If you brush off policy, you will end up with a squad mentality organization. You must, must, must establish policy and make it known within your group. We've covered earlier episodes to this one we did on the admin scale on the vital need for policy in an organization. It gets short shrift amongst the members by and large. They do not originate policy, and they do not require policy, and thus their organizations stay small and not expanding. They're not necessarily soulless altogether, but they're, it's kind of stagnant, okay? If you want a bright, expanding organization, you must continue to research and develop and issue and make known your policy. Otherwise, guess what? You're going to be asked for orders all the time. Anyway, he gives some great examples here. But before we get into the examples, he gives you a very interesting uh, why or reason why we have this situation common in groups. He says, this is not strange as we are dealing here with principles rather new in the field of organization, principles which have not been crisply stated. And then in all capital letters, there is no exact English word for either of these two functions. Understand? The words policy, the words orders, are so cavalierly, I guess you could say, used in the field of management. You talk to two different management uh, sources, if you want to call them that, and they will have different definitions of what policy means and what orders mean. And the fact that they have not been defined with precision is part of the reason why you're having these issues if you are within your own group. All right. So let's refamiliarize ourselves with these terms, starting with the word policy. Mr. Hubbard says in this reference, he has a very precise definition. This is the one I want you to be thinking with as we proceed through this um, episode. Policy 
means the principle evolved and issued. By the way, this is all capital letters from Mr. Hubbard, right? Policy means the principle evolved and issued by top management for a specific activity to guide planning and programming and authorize the issuance of projects by executives, which in turn permit the issuance and enforcement of orders that direct the activity of personnel in achieving production and viability. So here you have a definition of policy that ties in all these levels of the admin scale. It connects your planning, it connects your programming and your projects and your orders are all connected. They're authorized by these principles evolved and issued by top management for a specific activity to guide this planning and programming and to authorize things that get issued like projects and orders so that you achieve production and viability. And that's the simplicity of it. So he goes on to say this policy is therefore a principle by which the conduct of affairs can be guided. A policy exists or should exist for each broad field or activity in which an organization is involved. If you're selling cars, you need to have policies on how you sell your cars. You need to have policies on how you display your cars. You need to have policies on how you secure your lot at night. You have to have policies on how you finance and how you and what your salesmen are allowed to promise and not promise and what are the parameters with which they can wheel and deal. These are things that must be set in policies. If you're running a, a, a kitchen, a, a good chef, he establishes his policies. Everybody knows the agreements of the kitchen. Order up. Uh, the restaurant, whatever. They are established, they're put in writing, and everyone gets indoctrinated on them, which is why it's so insane not to invest in training your employees. You're just asking to do nothing but cope and issue orders. Because policy is unknown. Now, Mr. Robert here gives an example, uh, a very illustrative example, and I'm just going to use his example here. He says, example, the company has a lunchroom for its employees. Top policy concerning it might be, quote, to provide the employees cheaply with good food and clean, fast service, end quote. So there is your policy. And then from this, the lunchroom manager could plan up and program how he was going to do this. With these approved, they form the basis of the orders he issues. In other words, if that policy was written and everyone was on board with it, now the lunchroom manager could start establishing some orders to implement that policy. Do you follow? But then he goes on to say this. Now let us say the manager of the lunchroom did not know organization and that he did not try to get a policy set or find if there was one and made up his own policy and planned and programmed and issued his orders on that. See, this is what happens if you don't issue policy. And if you're an employee and you're in an unfamiliar area, you better demand policy. Like, what are the policies for reception? You want me to be the receptionist? Good. Can I see the policies? Because if no one provides you policies, they're going to end up providing you orders and you're going to make up policies. Like, make sure the riffraff get kicked out of the rating room. Like, what policy is that? Oh, I made it up. Why? Well, you know, people come in here and they don't look like they have any money, so I'm rude to them and I sort of discourage them and like, get out. Great. Who set that policy? Well, 
I guess I did, you know, the, the receptionist did, whatever. That's just an example. But let's go back to the example Mr. Hubbard gives here. He says, uh, so he says, now let us say the manager of the lunchroom did not know organization and that he did not try to get a policy set or find if there was one and made up his own policy and planned and programmed and issued his orders on that. Only the policy he makes up is, quote, to make dough for the company, end quote. Now the wild melee begins. Here's, here go, that's what Hubbard says here. Now the wild melee begins. In other words, chaos. A melee is like a confused fight, a skirmish or scuffle. That's what, literally what you, people have in there in their organizations in many cases, or they never expand to the point where they have malaise because it's so tiny that nobody fights because no policy was ever set to begin with. So anyway, he says, now the wild melee begins. Top management, back to Mr. Hubbard's words, top management, the lunchroom manager's highest boss, sees Stenos, Stenos short for stenographer, what we used to call people who took dictation and so on, sees Stenos eating cold lunches brought from home at their desks and begins to investigate. How come? Stenos then say, we find it cheaper to eat our own lunches. Top management finds coffee in the lunchroom is terrible and costs several shillings. This was obviously written in England. Dried out sandwiches cost a fortune. There's no place to sit, etc. So top management issues orders, not policy, feed that staff. But nothing happens because the lunchroom manager can't and still, quote, make dough for the company, end quote. Top management issues more orders. Darn it, I told you, feed the staff. So the lunchroom manager, that, that, those were my words, back to Mr. Hubbard's words. The lunchroom manager thinks they must be crazy at board level. How can you make dough and still feed the whole staff? And top management thinks the lunchroom manager is crazy or a crook. Goes on to say this. Now you multiply this several times over in an organization and you get bad feeling, tension, and chaos. You follow all that? Because no policy was set by top management, then lower management is forced to set the policy that they want or think is appropriate, which doesn't match up with the admin scale necessarily. By some miracle, it might. But you've got goals, you've got purposes, and those policies align to those goals and purposes, right? If you're familiar with the top of your scale. Now, here's somebody at a much lower level, down at the orders level, now originating policy You've originated policy, maybe, but you never made sure anybody understood it or, or read it, right, or studied it, or you never bothered to set policy in the first place. You, you can count on it now there's going to be random policies being set. And guess what? You at top management are pulled into now issuing orders, left and right. And then there's bad feelings, tension, and chaos. So now Mr. Arbor gives another example. He says, let us say top management had issued policy, establish and run a lunchroom to provide the employees cheaply with good food and clean, fast service. But the lunchroom manager hired knew nothing of organization, heard it, didn't realize what policy was, and classified it as, quote, a good idea, idealistic, probably issued for PR with employees. But, you know, as an experienced lunchroom man, I know what they really want, so we'll make a lot of dough for the company. So here you go. You may have even issued a policy, but you didn't make sure people understood what policy really meant or that it aligns with the admin scale. See, you're not bothering to make sure your team is all in agreement. Policy is agreement. Remember that. When you think of policy, you think of agreement. You think of successful actions to resolve situations and to guide planning and so forth. You've got a pretty good idea of what policy is. So then he goes on to say this. So, you know, he's talking now about the lunchroom guy. He says, 
He thereafter bases all his orders on this principle. He buys lousy food cheap, reduces quality, increases prices, cuts down cost by no hiring, and does make money, but the company gets its income from happy customers who are handled by happy staff members. So the lunchroom manager effectively reduces the real company income by failing to cater to staff morale as was intended. You follow all that? That's what happens when you start to confuse orders and policy. And it starts by, A, not making sure people understand what those things really are, and then, of course, failing to issue and educate and enforce policy. He says this interesting datum. He says, it is a complete fact that no top management can predict what policy will be set by its juniors. It's hilarious. You just never know, you know. Yeah, I set up a policy, you know, in my sales team that, you know, that the sales is the most important thing. It doesn't matter how you get it. Something like that, you know, instead of like, make sure you put an adequate exchange with your customers or something like that. You know, it's just like it gets set randomly and it causes endless confusion. It goes on to say the curse of this is that top management depends on, quote, common sense and grants greater knowledge of affairs to others at times than is justified. Of course, anybody would know that the paper knives we make are supposed to cut paper. But the plant manager operates on the policy that the plant is supposed to provide employment for the village. You can imagine the squabble when the paper knives, which do not cut paper, fail to sell and a threatened layoff occurs. He says nearly all labor management hurricanes blow up over this fact of ignorance of policy. Interesting datum. Nearly all labor management hurricanes blow up over this fact of ignorance of policy. Pretty important factor. All right, let's get into orders. He says order takes up two small print columns of the two-ton dictionaries. The simple definition is, so he's, you know, it gets, like, like he said earlier in the reference, these terms get so obfuscated for, and there's a million-dollar word, the true definition gets obscured by these, I don't want to call them redundant definitions, it's important you understand them because people will use them that way, but there is an essential definition to the word policy, and there's an essential definition to the word orders. And here, he's defining order. He's, in all capital letters, he says, the simple definition is, an order is a direction or command issued by an authorized person to a person or group within the sphere of the authorized person's authority. That's the definition. An order is a direction or command issued by an authorized person to a person or group within the sphere of the authorized person's authority. And then he goes on to say, by implication, an order goes from a senior to juniors. Makes sense. Now, listen to this next section of the reference, the article here, very carefully, because very profound, first of all, and it's an interesting, it's interesting in light of what we see today socially in our country, in our culture. But he says this. So again, let's just uh, repeat the, the definition. He says, an order is a direction or command issued by an authorized person to a person or group within the sphere of the authorized person's authority. By implication, an order goes from a senior to juniors. Then he goes on to say this, those persons who do not conceive of an organization larger than a few people tend to lump all seniors into Order issuers tend to lump anything such a senior says into the category of order, 
and tend to lump all juniors into order receivers. These are Mr. Hubbard's words. This is a simple way of life, one must say. Goes on to say, actually, it makes all seniors bosses or sergeants and all juniors into workers or privates. It's a very simple arrangement. It does not in any way stretch the imagination or sprain any mental muscles. Unfortunately, he goes on to say, unfortunately, such an organized arrangement holds good for the metal section of the shop or a platoon or squad. It fails to take into account more sophisticated or more complex organizations. And it unfortunately requires a more complex organization to get anything done. Where one has squad mentality in a plant or firm, one easily gets all manners of conflict. So he introduces this term, squad mentality. What are we looking at today in society? Squad mentality. I mean, everybody's waiting for an order, I guess. Where is the initiative? Only a brave few. And those generally, those are you guys generally. And generally, if you're going to go out there and start something new or something original, uh, look out. You can't do that. Because the squad is, yeah, come and get you. But anyway, don't want to go on a tangent. But he says, where one has squad mentality in a plant or firm, one easily gets all manner of conflict. Few shop foremen or sergeants or chief clerks ever waste any time in trying to tell the, quote, rank and file what the policy is. See, I'm the foreman. You don't need to know what the policies are. Here's your orders. Here's your orders. I'm the sergeant. Here's your orders. I'm the chief clerk. Here's your orders. Now, who's going to waste time on the riffraff to teach them what the policy is? It's not done in organization, is it? Maybe, hopefully, it's being done to some degree in yours. Hopefully, as a consequence of listening to this episode, you're going to put more attention on this. Now, then he gives this great example. Ours was not to reason why. Was the death song of the Light Brigade. If you've ever read the poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade, you'll know what he's talking about. If you haven't, it's magnificent. I think it's Tennyson. He talk, and one of the lines is, ours is not to reason why. Ours is but to do or die. So yeah, it comes from the poem from Tennyson. This is the charge of the Light Brigade. And I think they lost every single member of the Light Brigade in that particular charge. It was during the uh, Crimean War, I believe. And he says, listen, listen to this. He says, and also the open door to communism. So ours was not the reason why. It was a death song of the Light Brigade and also the open door to communism. I guess we lost in Crimea. Anyway, don't know my history that well, but you get the idea. Then he goes on to say this, communism is unlikely to produce a good society because it is based on squad mentality. Capitalism has declined not because it was fought, but because it could not cope with squad mentality. You want to know why capitalism is having a rough go? Does not know how to cope with squad mentality. You know how to cope with squad mentality if you're listening carefully to this podcast because Mr. Hubbard is telling you what to do. And in the next line sort of extrapolates everything. He says, the policies of both are insufficiently embraceive of the needs of the planet to achieve total acceptability. You get that? He's talking about communism, capitalism. He says, the policies of both. He's talking about policy now. The policies of both are insufficiently embraceive of the needs of the planet to achieve total acceptability. There's your problem. There's, there's your trouble. Inadequate policy being set in a communist country, 
in a capitalist country, they're not, it's not sufficiently embracive of the needs of the planet to achieve total acceptability. If someone were to come up with a governing system with embracive enough policies that we could actually have some agreement and get along and not need orders all the time, but we would actually get out of this whole squad, squad mentality. And you certainly don't need to have that going on in your group, in your business. You don't have to play along with that dramatization. You yourself can make sure you have a smooth, beautifully running, bright and initiative uh, oriented. Not to say that people don't need orders. Yeah, you need orders to implement what? Projects and programs which implement plans, which implement those policies. But truthfully, if you educated people adequately on policy, you'd need almost no orders. Maybe none at all. People would just implement the policies and roll. You're always safe, by the way. This is why it's so important to put in your admin scale, because if you're putting in your admin scale correctly, your projects are based on your programs, which are based on your plans, which are based on your policies, which are based on your purposes, which are based on your goals. And the level of authorization diminishes as you go down that scale. So you don't need to get clearance to issue an order that's, that's based on a project that's already been authorized. Or maybe the project was only authorized by a lower level executive, but that was implementing a program that was fully authorized by top management. So you're safe. You can issue an order like that and it won't become a chaos generating activity. It, will be, it won't create a melee. It won't create a, a problem. It'll create order. That's what orders are for, to create order, to, to implement these, these various visions, dreams, purposes, goals, and to achieve production, obviously. All right. So um, to wrap this up, I'm going to skip. It's quite a long article. We're not going to cover every page of it, but uh, I do want to just add a couple of things he says at the end, which I think are very to the point. He, he kind of summarizes it. Mr. Robert says, policy is a long, long-range guiding principle. An order is a short-term direction given to implement a policy or the plans or programs which develop from policy. These are Mr. Hubbard's examples. People should be seated in comfortable chairs in the waiting room is a policy. Sit down is an order. If policy is understood to authorize people to issue orders, the picture becomes much clearer. Unless an organization gets this quite straight, it will work in tension and in internal conflict. When an organization gets these two things completely clear, it will be a pleasant and effective group. L. Ron Hubbard, wouldn't that be something? A pleasant and effective group. How about a pleasant and effective nation? That'd be kind of cool. Anyway, it will come about because you the listener, are putting these clear-cut definitions and this admin scale to work in your group. And if enough of us do that, this will become the normal. And uh, no longer will the squad mentality be the, the usual. At least that's uh, what we're postulating over here. And I'm sure you join us in those postulates. So, well, all right, that wraps it up for today. Um, we'll probably do, I think, just one more um, because you've got that other 12 points or 13 points of giving an order, I'd like you to listen to that. I think we can wrap up orders with one more episode. Uh, there is something I definitely want to go over with you on the subject orders we haven't covered yet. That'll be next week. For now, I hope you got something out of this one. Please 
Give us a like if you liked what you learned and what you've heard and leave us your comments. Write us at info at wisestress.org. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.